0: Welcome to the Tips for Lawyers podcast. This is Chris Hargraves from tipsforlawyers.com and this is episode 59. Today I wanted to do something just a little bit different. It's not going to be a really long episode and it's a little bit of a nod to my book that I released recently called In Practice, Moving Beyond Law School Theory. And if you're interested in checking that out, you can have a look at it at www.inpracticebook.com. Or you can go to tipsforlawyers.com slash inpractice. And for those of you who are wondering, it is practice with a C because it's a noun, not a verb. And that might vary depending on which country you come from because I see a lot of people spelling it with an S. And this one is spelled with a C. So, in practice, moving beyond law school theory. And today I just wanted to give you a little bit of a touch on the book itself. Give you a little bit of an example out of the book. And give you an idea of what you can expect in the rest of the book. So, what is the book? In Practice is a book designed to give you an approachable and reasonable and easy to read introduction to the legal skills arena. What do I mean by that? I mean a few things. Firstly, I mean that I didn't want to write a textbook. I think as lawyers we're a little bit obsessed with textbooks. Instead, I wanted to approach it from a bit of a different angle. So, In Practice is a book about Thomas, who is a young lawyer, coming into the workforce and his mentor, Uncle Andrew. What you will find in the book is the series of letters that Uncle Andrew writes to Thomas throughout the course of his career, explaining to him the subtleties and the nuances of legal practice that he hasn't necessarily learned during law school. Now, you've only got one side of this dialogue. You'll get a bit of a flavor for how that relationship develops, and you'll get a bit of an idea of the fact that Uncle Andrew doesn't necessarily hold all of the views that might be common these days. He's a little bit old fashioned, but he has some strong opinions about how things should work. The book is designed not to actually teach you the answers. I didn't want to necessarily just go and say this is how it is or this is how it should be. What I wanted to do was introduce you to the issues that you are going to come across in legal practice and some of the big topics that you're going to need to tackle and that way you can start to formulate for yourself if you read through as you read through the book, what is it that you actually think about that issue? How do you think you should approach writing to people? How do you think you should approach inter-office politics? How do you think you should approach getting a promotion? Those are a few of the topics in the book. And if you have a look at the table of contents, which you can get in the sample chapters at impracticebook.com, then you will be able to see all of the various different things that we touch upon in the book itself. So, this particular letter that I'm about to read out to you is a sample from the book, and it is right towards the start of the book. So, Thomas is just starting his Uh, practical legal training, and he's finding a little bit dull, as you would expect. And Uncle Andrew has a few things to say about practical legal training and about what value it actually has. In the workforce. Now, of course, this is a topic of contention at the moment. It is a topic that many people aren't sure how to respond to because there's a combination of factors involved involving institutional education. There's, of course, universities, there's law firms, there's the students themselves, there's the uh, areas and the institutions that are providing postgraduate legal studies. There are a variety of people involved and everyone has a slightly different thought on what precisely the system should be delivering to young aspiring lawyers, and they all have a slightly different view about whose responsibility that should be. So Uncle Andrew approaches it from one perspective, and I'd encourage you to form your own perspective as well. So, without further ado, here is the letter. Dear Thomas, I gather you are finding your experience of practical legal training tedious and cumbersome. I am not too surprised, and so I sympathise with your situation. Although my brothers in the profession who formulate these courses do so with the best of intentions, it is quite apparent that the curriculum becomes polluted with the interests of academics and various pencil pushers who have probably never practised law, let alone met with a client, or entered a courtroom. The result is that the course you presently undertake represents, at best, an extension of your university education. It is primarily academic, although seeks to provide you with some practical expertise so that you might not be completely useless to your employers, once you have an employer, that is. Although I have touched on it previously, there are a number of distinguishing features between actual legal work and what you do now that I thought I would highlight, lest you subconsciously start to think that your current sanitised situation could represent what you have to look forward to. The first primary difference is money. The fictitious clients in your course almost never call you up about your fee estimate, which you almost never have to provide them. They appear to have the ability and the will to fight on principle or some such nonsense. You are never forced to account for the competing interests of the client's immediate requirements, which might not align with your firm's requirement for you to get funds in your trust account before commencing anything. At no time do you have to confront and solve a client complaint regarding their bill, or confess to a partner that you spend three hours longer than was required on a job because you couldn't get the client to be quiet on the phone. These are the realities of practice. Everything you do has to be guided by the fact that your firm needs to make money. If it doesn't make money, then you are out of the job, one way or another. Personally, I don't think that's greedy, like some people seem to think. Rather, it's just pragmatism. The next primary difference is the lack of marketing. In training land, your work simply flows in and you do it. In the real world, someone has had to fight to get that work in competition with a thousand other practitioners, many of whom cost less and are frequently just as competent, although not always. There is no qualm about telling your fictitious clients that they have no case, because they won't call your supervising partner who is friends with their mother's brother's cousin and abuse you to them telling you how incompetent you are, while, back at the office, you are forced to defend a perfectly sound legal finding to your now irate partner. These relationship factors are absent in your training. Next is the nature of facts. In your world at the moment, you get the facts and you assume their completeness and accuracy. In the real world, you never get all the facts, and are frequently required to drag them out into the light for examination. Situations change, answers change, documents reveal inconsistencies, and the list goes on. The practice of law is a moving feast, and in any given matter, might change from a gnat to a dragonfly to an elephant over the span of its existence. Finally, there is the pressure of time. Yes, your assignments have deadlines and due dates, but within that confine you can spend as much time as you wish on a particular project. You will not find that situation in law. What you will find is that a task will be required to be completed within an hour, and if you spend more than that you will have to account for it in some way. You will also find that just because you are finished doesn't mean the job is done. You need to factor in review, settlement, revision, and of course the time that the support staff do mail which, if missed, ...will result in an otherwise unnecessary walk to the postbox. Oh yes, I should mention the paper. There is lots and lots of paper that needs to be printed, sorted, filed and dealt with in some way. These are but some of the many differences which I wanted to highlight in brief to you now... ...so your brain does not accept the fiction that is presented to you now. Over time, you will start to identify more discrepancies for yourself... ...and no doubt we will discuss them further. So while you complete this practical course... I would like to remind you, again, of the need for you to seek and retain a master who can more effectively guide you in the practicalities of the legal world more than the course you now undertake could ever do. If you are to be effective as a lawyer from day one, you will need to take your education far beyond what you now learn. I encourage you, again, to do so as soon as possible. Yours faithfully, Uncle Andrew So at this point, it's a good idea to ask you the question, what do you think? Do you think Uncle Andrew is on the mark? Do you think practical legal training does what it's supposed to do? What do you think practical legal training is supposed to do? There's certainly different opinions about all of those. And if you head over to either the uh, Tips for Lawyers site or wherever else you feel like you can find me and uh, let me know your thoughts. In the meantime, if you're enjoying this podcast, as always, head over to tipsforloys.com slash iTunes and leave a review. But more importantly for today, I would like to encourage you to check out the book at inpracticebook.com and pick up your copy today. Let me know what you think and find more hot tips from Uncle Andrew. I'll be back soon. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you later.